Welcome to Between Sets. On this episode, we chat with 2016 World Junior Medalist Keanu Elliott about all things weightlifting and the very important transition between junior and senior athlete that has seen us and many sports like weightlifting lose young, talented athletes. We hope you enjoy it. G'day all and welcome to another episode of Between Sets with Daz and Simon. I'm very pleased to introduce our guest today. She is regarded as one of the best young talents in Australian weightlifting, finding success over the last few years in both a senior and junior competitor. She is a world junior bronze and silver medalist from 2016, Kiana Elliott. Welcome and thanks for being here. Thank you very much. Um, looking forward to this. Excellent. So tell uh, <laughs> How have things been? How's training going? How's life? Oh gosh, it's all of a bit of a roller coaster, you know, coming and going. Um, at the moment, I didn't make home games, so this is a big. This is not the big sort of lead up we we're looking for at, at this stage. So we're just sort of plodding along. Big focused is is obviously 2020, and that's what we're sort of aiming for at this yeah. stage. Excellent. And saw you just competed recently. What was that about? Just uh, just getting back on the platform, feeling things out, seeing how the body is, or you're starting to work towards Tokyo already? Well, yeah, it was pretty much just jumping on the platform. Um, for the most part, for fun, it's been it's been not so much of that. Um, so for the Australian international, it was like, yeah, we'll just jump on the platform. Start pretty conservative, see how we go. Um, it's been a rebuilding process, sort of training-wise and stuff. So it's just, it was a good starting point. I fell apart technically. Um, it's giving me lots of work, like lots of stuff to work on. So, yeah. yeah. And is, is the comp plan all sorted for this year? You know what you're aiming for or is it just sort of take it as it comes? Um, pretty well taking it as it comes. I'd really like to go to Uni Worlds this year. Um, this is my yep. fourth year at uni, and I haven't represented them yet. Um, so that would be that would be a good goal to tick off. Um, I think it would be a good good stage to compete on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the world stage uh, you're quite familiar with. Um, I'd like to take you back to Georgia right now. I remember where I was. A bunch of the athletes here at Hawthorne was <laughs> were sitting around a table. <laughs> getting our, you know, little shitty live stream up and, you know, ordered some food and just waiting to watch and see what unfolded. And what we saw was amazing. So tell us, what what was that like? What was the build-up? And uh, is it everything you expected? <laughs> like, again, it was one of the most amazing things I'd seen in my time in the sport. Yeah, well, first up, um, I'm kind of touched that you, you guys were all sitting there with you with your food <laughs> and everything. I'm having a little watch on that. That's pretty cool to hear. Um, in terms of the lead-up and everything, that was a bit of a mixed bag. Um, obviously, with being Junior Worlds in 2016 was three weeks after our Olympic qualification in Fiji. So the thought being was, had I made Rio, I wouldn't have gone to Junior Worlds. And that was sort of the thinking of the whole of that training cycle. It was like, all right, we've got this big event. May, I think, 26, I still have a date in my head because I thought about it so much. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the big focus was on that, and that was um, – that was a really tough one for me. Um, obviously, gosh, Rio was a big, like, I kind of had a chance. Well, okay, I started weightlifting in 2013, right? Yeah. By the time 2015 came around, I was sort of starting to have a little bit of a shot on the senior level. 
made a few senior teams um, and then, then sort of end of 2015 we're going hey Rio yeah maybe I have a really 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 long shot coming yeah. into January of 2016 and it sort of came a little bit closer and I think where it really sort of solidified that I had a decent chance was Australian International that year where I had a shot at taking the leading total and then so the big focus was really really on for Olympic trials so we got there Seriously, I trained really, really well going into that. Um, for me, I hit numbers that should have led to a decent competition. Um, yeah. And, yeah, we were so focused on, like, training was really, really good. I hit some really good numbers, easy 110 clean and jerks. Like, everything was going sweet as. We're like, awesome, we're going to go in and smash this. Actual comp itself, you can never, like, predict how things are going to go, that kind of thing. It was... A bit weird for me because especially being all the girls competing against each other, the atmosphere was a little different to like previous comps where we'd all been a team. This was more like who's going to take it out, what's she doing, what's it? It was really weird. I found that yeah. really, really strange. Um, and I didn't even want to watch the competitions that were ahead of me. Yeah. I mean, I, I, my recollection of it all was it was just a really strange. <laughs> 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 Really, really strange experience. Like watching it, looking at it, going, "Yep, yeah, all these girls are fighting for this one spot, and we hadn't yet secured that one spot." And it was, um, yeah, that, for, that was tough. Yeah, and I imagine that that in itself has its own difficulties. And you, you touched on it a little bit, but it, it seemed very strange to me at the time. Going, "Yet yeah, we're going to punch <laughs> out all these numbers, and at the end of the day, we still might not have that spot." So, how, how was that? Was that a thought? in your mind, going into the competition? Oh, definitely. I'd, I'd been working with the sports psych because I really, like, I was going to throw every single thing I can into some, like, because within Olympic Games, it's once every four years, you try and figure out how you're going to do every single thing possible to get yourself there or at least give your best go. <clears> so I sort of prepared myself to go, hey, I've got a hat to go in with the mindset of I've got nothing to lose. Um, and that was the only way I was going to be successful. So I was prepared to not go through with it. And it really was watching the whole week go by. We watched, I mean, Erica was in the lead. No, who was in the lead? We're watching Erica, her having a go, then Tia having a go, and then the next yeah. weight category coming along. And people, like, we really had no idea what to expect, especially, like, Erica hadn't done anything um, her, her biggest total was from a while back, so we were wondering what she was happening, there were rumours of injury, all of this sort of stuff happening. Even with Pip in the same category as me, we are like, oh, how strong is she getting? Like, oh, this is a – it was really um, – and it was playing numbers, going, okay, say Erica gets this number. And then yeah. it turned out that Erica was dropping to 48, so what do we need then? How do we change <laughs> our attempts? And it's a big, huge numbers game, and at the same time, we had to make a total. <clears throat> We had to qualify our team so we could actually get a spot to Rio. And so we had to open relatively conservatively as well as try and give yourself a best shot at having a, a big go at the big weights. And for me, that ended up in with, with my clean and jerk. I knew what I needed. I ended up opening a little bit lighter than I wanted to. It was a little bit of a dodgy first lift. Um, and then as a competition goes, I had to wait for someone to bomb until I could go out for my second attempt. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. And then we took we took the gamble there. Um, no, it wasn't Pip. It was Andrea Miller, I think. 
Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, she had a tough comp at herself as well. Everyone was aiming for Rio. It was, it was really, really tough. So yeah. then I had, what, two shots at 113? Like sort yeah. of halfway out of the squat, nice solid concrete brick wall kind of thing above you. Couldn't get anywhere. <laughs> Super frustrating. I think someone took a video of my third attempt. I was like, parallel for a solid seven seconds. Yeah, yeah no, it was crazy. good. It was crazy. <laughs> I did does... not want to put that down. <laughs> as, a, as an athlete in an individual sport, how how what's going on in your brain when you know you have to lift a total to get your country a spot, but you want that spot? How, how do you reconcile that in your brain? Like What, what goes on? It's tough to do the same two things in one competition, not having your friends and family or your coach around. I was really young, so I don't think I handled it the best I could have. Um, and I remember being in there and being like, yes, really, really am confident here, being scared of with nerves and all of this stuff. Um, it was really, really tough to handle, but I, I think it came down to I wanted my best shot. I knew I'd make my openers. I knew I was never going to miss those lifts three times in a row. So that's what we did. And then we went in and had our best shot. I did miss my opener snatch. That probably cost me, but what can I do? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I guess, you know, every cloud has a silver lining. We uh, narrowly miss out on the Olympic Games and then we head to the World Championships, the Junior Worlds, where you, you get a silver medal in the snatch and a bronze in the total. That's probably not going to happen, like you said, if you if you go to the Olympic Games. How, how, do you, how do you sort of deal with that and how does that weigh on your mind? Yeah, well, the first, I think, like initially you're crushed and I yeah. think the first week I was pretty numb. Um, I didn't do too much training in the gym. The, it was three weeks. So I, I had like two weeks before I had to fly out again by the time I got home. I did get in the gym the next day after competing in Fiji just to move around. Um, but I really didn't do any like proper measured training until maybe a week later. And we just started doing what I could with what I had, um, aiming to just hold on. And then I actually – PB'd my clean and jerk and snatch in the couple of weeks before we went away, yeah. which was pretty cool. Um, it was super nice lifting well again. And then we went yeah. off and sort of had like this, maybe, maybe I have a chance to get up there. Yeah. I mean, the year before we'd gone in and gone, oh, it'd be really nice to get top 10. And then the, the competition was just too high. I, I, I did um, really good lifts got a nice big PB total at, at Junior Worlds in 2015, but I ended up 12th with the goal of having been top 10. So, I mean, Worlds and stuff, when you're aiming for medals, it's so hard to tell who's going to turn up on the day, how they're going to be. People move in and out, um, and you can't judge by their entry totals. You really can't tell until the, until the day. Um, and for me, I was just – I was training really well um, leading into it. We sort of didn't taper – as much because I'd had that break after yeah. Fiji just a couple of weeks before. Um, and then in the comp- in the competition warm-up room itself, I had no idea what was going on. I was just lifting. Um, I had no idea what lift meant what. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> I went out, I think in retrospect, the, the 91 I went out on was a guaranteed medal. I had no idea. I don't even, I, yeah. I sort of looked at the board when before the competition started um, and was sort of like, yeah, maybe have a chance. Cool. This is cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I missed my second attempt and was like, oh, crap. Um, and then they put me up for the third one. And I was like, oh, geez, they put me up. I really yeah. hope this means something good. <laughs> Managed to lift that 95 and was still like pretty damn stoked with it because seriously, that was a big lift. Um, yeah. I didn't know what it meant. And then I walked off the stage and Craig had number two held up. And I was like, really? <laughs> didn't believe him. I did not believe him. I did not want to know it. Like, I wouldn't believe it until yeah. someone had, like, shoved it down my throat. Um, yeah. And then I had, like, me being me, I had, like, two minutes before I had to start warming up for the cleaning jerks. <laughs> um, and so I'm like, how, like, Brendan, how long do I have? And he's like, it's okay. Just sit down, chill out. You've got a little bit of time. Are you in the mood? <laughs> Um, it ends up being like maybe 90 <laughs> seconds, two minutes. <laughs> Shoveled down a bit of food and then started warming up. And then um, missed my last warm-up clean and jerk. I'm like, oh, crap. Um, I was meant good. to open on 108. Yeah, it was good. I just like racked the clean a little bit backwards and had to dump it. I was like, oh, I don't need 105 anyway. Drop my yeah. <laughs> Open it down to 107 um, because the one kilo, I don't know, I sort of mentioned to the coaches, I was like, oh, should we drop that down? Um, so we did one whole yeah. kilo. Uh, <laughs> went out there. It was fine. Uh, still wasn't. I wasn't feeling that confident with the clean and jerks. Um, so we did little jumps. So I think one. I went one hundred seven, then one hundred nine, and then we had a shot at one eleven. Now one eleven would have given me two hundred six. Yeah. Two hundred six was the number I needed to make Rio. That I think I didn't make the one eleven. I don't think my head was in it because I don't think I could have dealt with it if I'd made 206 three weeks after I should have made it. Um, competition, for me, finished with my clean and jerk being low. People were still clean and jerking. So I was like, oh, I don't know what's happening. Maybe I ended up in six or something. Completely yeah. oblivious. Um, and then we're sort of looking at the board afterwards. And I, I was still sort of in a daze. I wasn't really looking at it properly. Um, and Jackie's trying to say something to me I'm like sorry what <laughs> and she's like going oh no, no if this girl misses you're guaranteed a bronze and I was like what and it took me so long to realize this girl had already lifted she missed um and I finally worked it out for myself on the board and holy shit like the moment like it got shoveled down my throat was like so blatantly clear in front of me the moment I realized it was just overwhelmed with emotion I've never been that overwhelmed with emotion that was awesome. that was insane <laughs> yeah it's really cool yeah I was actually speaking to Jackie about this uh, not too long oh, ago. Really? Yeah, and that's uh, funny. Like, for, for those people that don't know, the World Championships is a three-medal system, so you can win a medal in the snatch, clean, and jerk and total. And myself, obviously, never coached at a World Championship, and certain things hadn't crossed my mind. Going, if you miss that snatch and you, you, you're going for the silver medal, then you are no chance at a total medal so credit to your support staff all your coaches and your managers there for making some decisions and obviously ultimate credit to you for sticking the lifts because uh it's i can only imagine what the pressure would have been like obviously you handled it pretty well but it's uh it's an amazing situation and i think uh a lot of credit 
is an R paid to everyone who was there. But again, obviously, congratulations on that. Yeah, thanks so much. Obviously, pretty gutted not to have my personal coach there. We sort of did yeah. a lot. Like he's been sort of like coaching me through after Fiji, getting me into a position where I could actually face a competition again. Um, for him not to be there was pretty tough. Again, yeah. not being there at Olympic trials was pretty tough as well. But everyone that was there on the day was a pretty good support team, a pretty great support team. They did really well. Um, Craig, who was in charge of the changes, he moved me up from 94 to 95. Um, he goes to me afterwards. I was like, I knew that was a good move. Marty would have killed me if I hadn't done it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was pretty yeah. awesome. So you'd obviously um, be in favour of sort of a system where our personal coaches would be allowed to be in the warm-up room or be a part of the, the coaching system. We've, speak, we've spoken to a few athletes that, you know, seem to think that's a, a good way moving forward. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, 100%. I'm just a hell of a lot more comfortable when my personal coach is there. Um, he, he knows what I lift like. He, he watches me lift every single day. I mean, it's sometimes – Sometimes you have some time in the warm um, in the training hall before a competition to sort of get to know and understand your coaches. Um, in Georgia, particularly, I was sending all of my training videos back to Marty. Marty was conversing with Brendan, with Jackie, helping yeah. with cues and, and encouragement, like what they should say to me, um, and all of that. And that was was quite a good system in the circumstances. But definitely, I can't imagine what it would be like to actually be at a at a world championships or, or something like if I ha- ever happen to have the luck to be the fortune to be in that sort of situation there to be able to share that victory with my personal coach who's been there the whole time, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. It's a very unique experience, I guess. Um, I think there are very few people that have sort of shared that, um, that experience, but, um, you know, very, very well could change in the future. Hopefully we move to a, a sort of system that, you know, encourages and rewards the effort that the coaches put in, uh, the athletes, and obviously the athletes getting better results with their coaches being here. But, I mean, that's a discussion for another time, but hopefully sure. we uh, we get, we move to some sort of system like that or at least uh, look into it. So we've... Uh, yeah, it'd be interesting. Yeah, so we, we've we've talked a little bit about the Olympic Games, narrowly missing out on that. Your success at the World Championships, uh, the Commonwealth Games lead up uh, to this year. It, it was it was in my opinion one um, of the okay. <laughs> yeah, one of the best battles I have seen in a very very long time. Uh, we have the yeah, <laughs> really really good. We have the young upcomer. And we have the veteran going up against each other. Uh, yeah, talk us through it. Uh, you're number one from basically the start of the year up until the end of trials. So, yeah, what what, what was going on? How did you feel heading into trials? And, um, yeah, how did you think the day was going to go? Yeah. Um, let's. I'll start back to right after that Junior Worlds in 2016. Yeah. Um, me coming off a huge high. I think I was still processing what had happened at Olympic trials as well. I sort of came back to, I wasn't working. I had uni break um, and I was, ended up house sitting. So I was 
was living on my own and I just had nothing to do. And I found out very, very quickly, well, maybe not that quickly. I really don't do well when I don't have structure. <laughs> I really did <laughs> not do well. Um, I didn't have much desire to train. It, yeah, I really, really wasn't going well. Um, I know now that I have to really take those steps of self-care to keep myself in a, in a space where I can do what I want to do in my life, that kind of thing. Um, I, I went into a bit of a hole there and it took me a good long while. I, t- I don't know that I've fully come out of it properly. It's it's affected me. Um, it's been a slow process of rebuilding and I, I took crutches in food and all of this stuff and bordered on a lot of distorted thoughts. I know I'm historically as well, like throughout growing up, I've got to take care of myself and I, I didn't do that too well. Latter half of 2016. So we went to nationals, I think those few months later, did okay. Whoa, not really. I did what I needed to win, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which was what Marty wanted. And I was like, right, we'll just go. I'm just doing what my coach wanted. Um, and went into 2017. I still wasn't, still really wasn't in a headspace where I could train really, really well. Um, and even even to now, I don't think I've trained as well as I did train in the lead up to um, Olympic trials and that sort of junior world's coming off the tail end of that. Took me a long while. Um, in the, the also in the mix there, like just before early 2016, I picked up a job like first time working. Yay! Yeah, <laughs> um, money. Pick that up, sort of. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Good. Super good. Um, <laughs> makes other bits of life hard, especially when you try to train. Um, yeah. yeah, so I've sort of been figuring out figuring out that balance over the past few years and sort of managing it a little bit better now um, between sort of like those periods where I'm working full time when I'm not at uni and then I'm balancing it and then all this stuff. It's really hard to work full time and train and like kudos to everyone that does. Oh, absolutely. It's tough. Super tough. Um uh, what happened in 2017? We had the, the international. I, 2017, I was still aiming for another thing at Junior Worlds. Junior, that yeah. was my last year as a junior, so that would have been my that was my fourth Junior Worlds. First one I went to, second to last. Second one I went to, twelfth. Yeah. Third one I went to, third. And so it would, would have been really cool to sort of tick that up one one more or two more. But I sort of ended up going right back to the bottom with a bomb. So that was, yeah. uh, that's our sport, eh? <laughs> yeah, that's totally, sport in general. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So, so you, yeah. So, like, that was nationals. my big focus, yeah. Yeah. Nationals yeah. was difficult because nationals was two weeks before competing at Junior Worlds. Yeah. And I really wanted that Junior Worlds thing. Perhaps my focus was a little bit off. Um but then I had to really, really – Sean and I had a, a really tough battle at at, um, at Nationals and I really, really pushed myself there. Yeah. I wasn't – I really wasn't ready to compete again um, in that fortnight later and I think that, that sort of showed. Um, and then, again, I'm not so good at dealing with the bad super lows and super highs. I don't know whether it's unique to weightlifting. There's some, some really high highs and there's some really, really low lows. What's your, yeah. what's your support network like? Do you have a group of people or family members or professional help? Like what, what does that look like? 
Yeah, so I've had professional help in the past. I've sought, sought different sources. Coach is the main one. We debrief after every single training session just to sort of neutralize and go back into normal life kind of thing because yeah. it can get really caught up in, in, um, in training and that kind of thing. Um, obviously, my family's super awesome. They're always supporting me and they're always there to have someone to chat to, friends and family. That's all part of it. And just sort of for me reaching out and knowing when to do that before it's before I'm too far down kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, didn't have the best sort of training for a while and then maybe eight weeks out from trials started to get my head together a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I, I really hadn't trained to deserve that spot. So Thane is totally deserving and she did absolutely awesome and I'm, I'm super proud and happy for her. Um, seriously, I saw how happy she was at trials and I could only share that with her. I know she's going to be awesome on competition yeah. day. So I really yeah, it's very, very, very rare. Very rare you get mm. to see Cena uh, show some emotion. But um, I was lucky enough to lucky, lucky enough to be in that warm-up room and it, it was quite tense. Um, for those who don't know, um, Cena actually missed her last two clean and jerk warm-ups and I'm sitting on the sign and going, this hey. is going to be a, going to be a very, very... Uh, very big she missed, ass. She missed the opener as well. Yes. I, I was... was sitting there. We were playing the board. Um, Marty was playing the board because he knew I had more left in me. Yeah. Um, but he's like, oh, we'll put you up just to try and freak people out. And yeah. I heard later that people in the audience are going, oh, she's taking this huge weight. And I'm sitting there going, knowing I wasn't going to do anything, but just sort of playing the board because yeah. that sport um, and doing what, what we could, Marty was doing what he could to make it as difficult as possible for scene because yeah. that's sport. Um, absolutely. But she came through and absolutely owned it. And kudos to her. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a phenomenal performance and, again, phenomenal performance for you throughout the year. It, leading into that comp, would you, would you have changed anything? Again, hindsight, beautiful thing. But, um, yeah, would, would you have changed the approach at all? Or, uh, oh, yeah, what are your thoughts on it? Take your time. I don't think I could have changed. I don't think I, I could have changed anything. Um, yeah. For me, it's been a big learning process as to how to actually be in a position to get the best out of myself on a daily basis over a long period of time. I'm sort yeah. of past the initial, hey, hey, like everything's easy, games are easy, this is great, this is fun, nothing hurts. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm sort of past that now and it, it's learning to balance that. Um, and everything to get that into daily life, which is my big focus, which is something I have to work on daily, something I have to go set little goals and that kind of thing to get me through. And I'm yeah. hoping I can do that better. I think I'm, I think I'm getting better. Yeah. yeah. So how, how do you fit it all in? Like, so how, how do you um, put your plan together for 12 months? Which competitions do you look at? Um, how do you organize your training around your work? to make those competitions happen. Yeah, so I'm super lucky where I work. Schedule's really flexible. Um, I'm able to basically work half days, fit that around uni, and then work extra hours when I'm not, not at uni. Awesome. To make it up. Um, 
so I'm, I'm super, super lucky and grateful to be in that position so I can manipulate it all um, to try and fit it all in because in, uni schedules change and all of that. Um, but during the term, I have to keep myself a little bit on the busy side. I know I have to keep myself structured to get the best out of myself, even if that takes a tiny little bit out of sleep and relaxation sometimes. Um, so I keep myself pretty busy. Um, I'm on the go and I tend to do better that way. That's my sort of like day-to-day juggling um, for myself. I, I Biggest thing for me is getting stronger. So I'm slowly, slowly getting there. I've been sort of – I've had to struggle over the past couple of years because I've been not good at managing my body weight. And so you get stronger and then you cut the body weight and it's like, ha you didn't even do that work, sorry. Yeah. It doesn't <laughs> – um, It doesn't. cutting doesn't isn't nice for anybody. No, no. So – that's obviously my first focus and then as long as I can get decent training in on a week-to-week basis, I know I'm setting myself up well. And then from there, we just sort of pick and choose the comps which are going to get us there. We don't know the qualification for Tokyo yet, so we're sort of hanging until that comes out um, and, and to see what the process is there. So I, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, so we'll see what happens there. I might have to I don't know. It's only going to take 12 people per session. Maybe you're going to have to be top 12 in the world. Yeah. So let's plan to try and get there. Um, yeah. Simon's trying to talk, but uh, there's no no sound coming out. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm good like that sometimes. <laughs> that's the uh, smartest thing you've ever said too, but it's lost forever. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know what they say, you know, better to keep your mouth shut and people think you're stupid than open your mouth and confirm it, whatever. Oh, that is such <laughs> <Yeah>. a <laughs> But now we, we dwelled a little bit on um, missing out on Com Games and missing out on the Olympics and, again, just by the narrowest of margins. But then I look at it and go, crap, you are still so young, which leads me to my next point sort of thing I'd like to discuss with you, this transition from junior athlete to senior athlete, having already achieved so much in both categories, I see a lot of juniors make the transition over and they seem to be lost in the in the talent pool of seniors and they're never heard from again. Uh, I'd really love your perspective on the, the transition and, and what you'd like yeah. to see more of and how you're actually handling it. Yeah, it's it's really, really tough one. I think I was lucky in that as a junior still, I was sort of creeping onto the international teams and and starting to hold my own at the international, sorry, not international, senior level. Um, um, I think especially for the boys, it can be harder for them. You can be a great junior and and make all the teams and all of that. It's a different ball game when you get to the senior level. Um, oftentimes in numbers and all of that. And I don't know, as, as a junior, as a youth, the competition's not as much there mm. to make the teams. So you, you can come in, especially when I came in 2013, obviously not everyone's going to be in this position, um, but if you have a little bit of talent, and you, you pick it up relatively quickly, a little bit of strength there, especially for the girls. You don't have to have sacrificed, like I came from gymnastics, you don't have to have sacrificed 10 years training 30 hours a week 
to make a team. It's it's easier in that respect in weightlifting. So you can sort of get by and go, oh, look, I'm making these Australian teams. I'm so great. Um, but really, have you really learned how to train yet? Have you really learned how to actually be an athlete? Or you're just sort of like going going on these teams and, and having these these amazing experiences, which I wouldn't take away from one. Yeah. But you can't take uh, for granted that you're you're in a position to keep pushing. Yeah. And and where, where's the balance between sort of I need to go to this competition for the experience and I'm going to this competition to medal. Uh, I think that's, um, again, a sort of concept that's lost on juniors in, in the country. Uh, it's more about participation than uh, to, yeah, taking that next step to being what most most people would class as an elite athlete. Where do you where do you fit into that sort of category? What are your what are your thoughts on it? I think the structure of it, the, the structure we're given, lends itself to making qualifying totals to get to a competition. And I think to some extent that worked quite well for me because you scrape through, you make these massive, huge, huge PB lists to scrape a qualifying total in. You go to this comp and you're like, well, I need to do some work. And yeah. for me, that was great. Like first junior worlds, I felt so out of my depth. You go into that training hall, I'm standing there, Ian Wilson is there, he goes 17, 120, 170, 190. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> you lift, you're trying to lift in the training hall. And you're just like, I don't feel like I, I belong here. Um, and for me, that was a great motivator to try and feel like I belonged. And I think I sort of, for me, got a little bit more comfortable instead of being in there and being so intimidated by every, like, all these amazing, amazing lifters around me. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to stay like, I'm not. I can't go in there and be like, feel like I'm one of them, completely. I like 2015 World Championships. That training hall was so intimidating. Yeah, it was insane. Yeah. Well, you sound like a very highly self-motivated person, and and what sort of support would you have liked, or did you receive, to help you take that next step to say, yeah. I'm going to come back next year and I'm going to make it so that I fit in this scenario. I'm part of this scene. For me, that was internally motivated. I yeah. So I came off elite gymnastics and my big goal was always Rio 2016. That was, as a gymnast, you need to be older than 16 to be a senior. Um, so 2016 was my my year. Um, sort of didn't really. Didn't really work out there. Um, I had a bunch of major injuries. Um, and sort of by 14, I'd spent the better part of two years rehabbing one injury Jeez. and was like, and then got it. Um, and then got another injury. And, and I just couldn't, I couldn't, I, I couldn't put myself through starting from square one again. And I was like, you know what? I think my long term health is better. I need to prioritize that. So I stopped. Still miss sport. I miss sport so much. Um, so when I got the chance to have a go at weightlifting, I was like, "Cool, this is cool." But I was sort of like, I didn't dive in straight away. Like I didn't treat it as an elite sport. This was just a fun thing I was doing. Um, within my first week of training at Muddy's, he had me at a comp, 
and I was like, cool, this is fun. Like the club comp, like it was, it was pretty nice, um, not too scary. And then we went to a first um, local competition that was a bit bigger. Um, and it was at that comp I got my first youth international qualifying total, which got me on an Australian team. And I was like, I'm still doing this yeah. for fun. I wasn't yeah. investing everything into it. Um, and for me, that lasted quite a while. I, I was like, I'm still sort of doing this for fun. I like it. I'm like, I was quite determined with it. Um, but I'd never really gotten to the point where I was like, it's all or nothing for me. That like that real like determined like. Because with gymnastics, there was a point where I was just so so focused. Every single like tiny little detail of my life, I had organized so I could do the best as I could in training, and it crushed me. It absolutely crushed me when it didn't work. So maybe I was a bit reluctant to try and do that again and be crushed. Mm. Understandable. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I never really, I never really did that fully, but the that I think could have helped. I think there's a lack of resources out there, especially for the young ones coming through, to say this is actually what you need to do if you really want to get the best out of yourself in weightlifting. Yeah. No. This I, is I, how I to train, like that kind of thing. There's no, there's no education system there. I don't know whether that's meant to come from the coach, the club, the state association, bigger, or some sort of separate, independent educational system. Maybe it's different in other sports. In gymnastics, we had a lot of camps at the AIS, so developmental camps within state, within um, the national sort of framework. So we had Team Future camps, so the, the most talented or the ones in the elite stream from age 9 to 13, you'd go along, they'd teach you skills in the gym, but also skills outside of the gym. There wasn't any of that in weightlifting. Um, and I was sort of... As I've gotten older, gone and searched on my own and drawn from my past experiences and gone, hey, I really need to do this if I want to push myself to get the best out of myself in this sport. Cool. And I guess I, I want to hear from you as well, Daz, on, on this, but I'll address it to you, Kiana. What, what, do you, what do you think it means to be elite? And, and when do you know you've made it? And what are the measures? Like, this, this is a, a big thing. We... Do we call elite representing Australia? Do we call elite meddling while representing Australia? Do we call elite someone who trains like a champion? What's the, what's the distinction? I don't know. I don't think it's black and white, especially in weightlifting. Good answer. That's a great answer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, um, I'll go back to gymnastics again. They split it up into national and elite string. So you pick... Um, I chose to, to start training elite when I was 10, moved gyms, started training 32 hours a week under Chinese coaches. That, that was the elite transition for me. Um, weightlifting is unique in that you can train a novice next to a professional or um, Australian representative athlete um, in the same room, even on the same bar if you're willing to chop and change weights, that kind of thing. It's really unique in that respect. And elite is not amateur professional either, or is it? I don't know. Dance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a tough one. It's like um, it's a tough one. I I I used to have arguments with um, CrossFit clients 
and they would refer to themselves as athletes. And it used to grind, grind my gears because you're not just an athlete because you participate. And then somebody would say that, then I'd show them at the uh, Instagram video of that chick in the hurdle race where she trips over every hurdle. And I'm like, well, she's participating. Would you call her an athlete? And it's, mm-hmm. so there has to be some level of performance. Like the definition of an, af- of an athlete is your ability to control space in time. So of, of your body in space with time. So that's the definition of an athlete. So you have to have some sort of technical nous. So then, then I break it down again and say, okay, are you, have you been to world champs? Have you been to the Olympics? Have you been to the Com Games? That, that way you would be a Com Games athlete, an Olympic athlete, a world championship athlete. So that's how I break it down. And then if you perform at a certain level, then it's a results-based objective um, statement to say if someone's elite or not. Like, like I know oh, okay. some seriously hard workers that, that aren't athletes because they've just got no talent, they're not coordinated, but they've got lots of ticker. They won't quit. I'll, I'll go dodge bullets with them, but I don't want to compete with them. So yeah, but it's a, it's a tough one. It's a, it's really hard. And that, have you found a, a perception counter with yourself going from junior to senior? Is there like a mental shift that you've taken or, or is it for you? Is it literally just the name of the competition you're at? Whether it's a junior this or a senior that? Uh, Take your time. Like a, a hard, like, tick over from junior to senior yeah like do you do you wake up and go because you're 20 like you're an adult like for me being an outsider yeah, yeah. calling someone 19 years old a junior is fucking stupid like, yeah. You, yeah. Should, it should be seniors from 18 like that's my personal opinion yeah. like if you if you know if you can vote you're a fucking adult so do you, do you <laughs> then turn up and go okay now i'm all grown up i'm gonna start bossing some shit or do you turn up to juniors saying, I'm 20, I'm picking on little kids? <laughs> like, 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 is there a need? Like, I know for me, like playing rugby, I had a very clear distinction between playing under underage football, like under 19s, and then playing first grade. There was a very clear distinction, and it was like, holy fuck, I have to be on, otherwise I'm going to get hurt, or at very minimum, yeah. I'm going to cost my team the game. So there was like a real mental shift for me. Is, mm. is that same? Is that present in weightlifting? I don't think to the same extent. For me, it's been more of a a gradual shift in mindset to go. How am I going to stick in this for the long haul? And the competitions have just changed name, yeah. and I have less to choose from. Yeah, it's not like oh my god, how many comps could I go? Because being I was in a unique position where I was making senior teams and junior teams and there were yeah. so many comps that I could have gone to if I'd chosen to um, purely by virtue of my numbers getting me there within the Australian sort of framework. Yeah. And another country, it would have been different. Um, it's Yeah, it's been a slow mental shift, but I didn't like – come New Year's Day, it wasn't like, oh, no, I'm a senior now. I'm going to, like, do different things. No, no. Um, yeah, just just gradual. And um, and for me, I want to make a name for myself as a senior. There's so many junior athletes that can do really well and then just fade off. Yeah. And maybe it's because the transition is hard. Um, for me, I know, I know I've got more in me and I just want to find that yeah. somehow. 
Well, there's some well-documented uh, documented science on, on why junior athletes don't transition to seniors. And the advantage that you have is that, you know, you, you were 19. That's not a junior. So you don't fall into that science of juniors not transitioning, which is, you know, from sub-18s and all that sort of stuff. So back when you had the, um, you were spoiled for choice of competitions, how many competitions would you do in a year? Did you look at volume at all? Or is it about if I do this and hit this total, that'll qualify me for that? And if that means I do 10 comps, so be it, or I'm only going to do three comps, mm. how, how do you tackle that problem when you can do senior or junior? I think you've got to weigh it up with the situation you've got. So with, for example, with some of the others at our, at our gym coming into Commonwealth Games trials, They've gone, oh, I've got to fork out all this money if I want to go to an international competition. And it's like, well, do you want to give yourself a chance to go to the Commonwealth Games? It might be a long shot, but what if you get there and you can? Um, as a younger athlete as well, and with myself, with my body being so fragile, um, I had to think especially early on, like what if I uh, am injured tomorrow or what if I don't, don't manage to do this for very long? Um and in that sort of thing, it was like, sweet, I've made a comp, let's go to it. It's going to be a great experience, um, especially at the younger ages. Like Youth Olympics was an absolutely awesome experience. It wasn't a stepping stone to anything. It was just a pretty damn awesome experience. Um, and at that stage, it was like, I can go to this. Let's just seize the opportunity. When it comes to something leading into like an Olympic Games or a Commonwealth Games, you're looking at process to get you there. Um, and then that changes things. Um, and also, like, how much can you cope with competing? What, what's the what's the benefit versus trade-off of competing? Do you need the competition experience? Mm. Um, that kind of thing. Or do you need to rest yourself, get some decent training in? It's always weighing the situation. And do you, do you seek out advice from people that have done it all before? Like, I mean, obviously – a rival with your last year, but do you do you ever think about approaching someone like a scene Lee and saying, you know, you've been doing this, you know, for you know over fifteen years, you've done it all. I was going to say fifty. I was like, what? Mate, I'm not going to pick shit on her. She'll snap. Fucking her, she will. Um, She'll snap anyone. <laughs> but yeah, do, do you approach them and you know ask for advice about sort of things? Because I mean, for all the success that she's had, I know she's had a hell of a lot of heartbreak in very similar sort of circumstances, is that is that something that you look at doing or do you try and draw from your own experience moving forward? You know what? I haven't directly gone up to to maybe some of the more senior athletes in, in Australian weightlifting and gone and we asked for the experience. We had seen come down and train with us maybe about a year ago um, yeah. between Davi, Marty, Seen and myself. We had a good chat about yeah. the whole climate, about Australian weightlifting and all of that. Um, but, no, I haven't gone directly up to people and asked. Not to say that I don't think that's a, a pretty awesome idea. I mean, these people have great experiences <laughs> <laughs> to draw upon. Like, teach me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, like, I mean, is it, um, is it an option? Oh, again, you're in a unique sort of situation where you have found – uh, success as a junior in the senior sort of categories, but is it an option that you would like put forward by, be it a club, 
state or national federation to have that access to athletes like that? Um, I know I'm going to go with an example. Um, yeah. I roomed with a, a with a boxer um, at Youth Olympics. She's actually on the Commonwealth Games team now, Caitlin Parker. She did a program, I'm not sure who it was run by, which linked you up with Australian Sporting Grapes in a mentorship role. Yeah. And I thought that was a pretty sweet idea. Yeah. Um, it was more formal, so there was like an obligation to actually use the mentorship. Um, I feel like if it was a little bit more, I, I think it was more formal in that there were follow-ups there. Um, I think if it was a little bit more less regulated, there would be some cases where it might fall to the wayside. Um, I think that's pretty great to have that access and to have, sometimes you need a little push um, to get into that. That would be pretty cool um, just to be given the access. Yeah. Yeah, because it would be, it makes it simple. Well, I definitely know that as a coach, that's something that I've pushed for. But for my own personal reasons, I love learning from other coaches. Again, it's yeah. one of the reasons I, I talk to Daz. You know, I don't really have, have anything else in common with him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get, I get down on myself from time to time and Daz picks me up. <laughs> Support <laughs> networks. Yeah, absolutely. That's it always helps to know that someone else is doing worse than you. <laughs> <laughs> But it's, yeah, I think it is, it is that simple uh, regarding like support networks is like, do, do you think there is a, there would be a tangible difference if we were more open with our knowledge? Like, and that's from a coaching aspect and an athlete aspect. You know, if I think, I think if you have a young athlete that's sort of coming through shows talent could be great. Do yeah. you wait for them to sort of figure it out on their own or should you as, again, I don't know whether it's an association or a coach or an outsider come in and go, here, let me show you, let me help you as opposed to let's just wait for them to figure it out on their own because yeah. some people don't do well with that and some people are so talented and with weightlifting it can just take you sticking it out for five or six years. And then you start to get, but I've seen that with, with my teammate at the gym. Um, Jacob is a, is a great example there. He had like his last year as a junior, we made this big push um, f to try and to try and get to a junior worlds. Um, and it, it didn't work out for him. Come a few years along, he's killing it. And yeah. it, for him, it was the time to get through. Um, and he had to be pushed and gone, just stick with it, just stick with it just stick with it it's gonna come good one day um yeah working it out on your own is tougher i think maybe that's when people just go nah i'm not i don't want to stick with this i'm out of here i don't feel supported that kind of thing yeah well, i think that's a, that's an issue everyone's facing around the country i know i face it in the club uh, i know i definitely face it at state level and i feel like again at it's a major issue at national level is just this athlete retention and it seems like the simplest solution, but I think, again, coaches, athletes, everyone involved are sort of shy away from the fact that it, it can't possibly be that simple a fix as to let's support our athletes, let's support our coaches, let's talk, communicate. And I think, um, yeah, this sort of stuff it goes a long way to fixing these sort of problems. 
but uh, like I'd like to talk to you about it. Like I, I come from a, a time in uh, the sport where there's a, a lot of paranoia about people stealing ideas and athletes uh, giving away information on coaches. Do you do you still feel that? Because <laughs> Daz is laughing now. And oh no! Because I can. All this stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> but I, I remember. Oh, I'm not going to tell you what my program's like because you know I'm not going to get better. But just because you can write a good program doesn't mean everyone can do it. Uh, how do you feel like that? Because obviously you're at the, the top of your game at the moment, and I'm sure there are a bunch of coaches that want to be hitting up Marty about you know the sort of stuff you're doing. Like, do do you feel that paranoia still in? you know, in your state and from other coaches or is or is it just in the uh, individual's heads? I don't know that I get as much of a sense of paranoia as you're describing. I know <laughs> <laughs> everyone has different ideas yeah. and sometimes personalities don't, don't mix that well and so the ideas are perhaps not meshed. <laughs> um, yeah. But I know, like, Marty's spoken to certain people and um, – had good conversations with with people he's looked up to and and felt there's been able to be an, an exchange of information there. In some cases, not in all cases. And where, where's the communication breakdown? Do you think where 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 are we limited in that uh in that sort of community? I don't know. I know in the past there's been some organization of online forums and things like that. Um, I don't know whether there still is a little bit of an attitude of people have their own way to do things and they just do their own way. Yeah. Not really sure. What are your thoughts? We have, we've had, like, we ask all, all the athletes that we come on and um, me being new to the sport, like, a couple of years, the, I hear every now and then the term stakeholder and sometimes someone uses the word stakeholder and they mean the actual state directors. Sometimes they mean the club coaches. And I've never heard of anyone apart from ourselves call the actual athletes the stakeholders. Where do you think the authority should lie? With the Australian representatives, with club coaches, with state directors or the AWF? Who do you think is the most important cog in the machine? Oh, the cog has to be the athletes. And I might be biased because my only real understanding of stakeholders in weightlifting has been from listening to your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> 50 bucks your way. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Um, I think the be-all and end-all comes, comes down to athletes and, and namely athlete results because that's what we get our funding based on um, and pretty much namely Commonwealth Games medals. <laughs> that's what we get our funding based off. Um, and that's basically make or break for us. So it has to be down to if you, if you really want us to do well, if you really want the sport to do well, then we've got to try and tick that box or get the funding from elsewhere. And I don't, yeah. Yeah, it is It is a very, very interesting point about um, well, where our funding comes from and and what we actually work towards as a as a nation. Do you think we are shying away from being results driven, and where we are sort of leaning towards participation? 
I haven't gotten the vibe of participation. Um, at least not where I am. Yeah. Um, perhaps in Queensland, there's a bigger vibe of participation in there. I think if, if we were really, really onto participation, we'd be in every high school and primary school, yeah. well, probably not primary school, high school, introducing it to kids um, and really giving, showing it as an option because me as a 15-year-old was like, what's weightlifting? What is that? Sort of seen it on TV, seen some big round guy looking really, really stressed. And this is what I hate is about weightlifting. Why do? Hey, shut up. I was a trim well, why 94. Does, why does zoom in on your face, right? When you're like exerting yourself and it looks horrendous. And they just yeah. zoom right in while you're like gasping for air before you turn. Why, please? There's other, like, do a slide on view so we can have a that's my face after Chili Tuesday. <laughs> but, uh, so, so what would you like to to see? Like, what, like if you if you are again, if you're that fifteen year old, never seen weightlifting before, what's the what's the poster that you want to see? What's the advert? What's going to attract you to the sport? Knowing everything you know about the sport as it is right now. For me, as a 15-year-old, I don't know that a poster did it. I think that grabbing a bar did it because I was in a CrossFit gym and I never thought of picking up a barbell. And then I started to do it and was like, hey, I kind of like this. This is kind of intriguing. I was really intrigued by it. I was like, how on earth? I think the first time I clean a jerk, I like, ground out like a 45 kilo clean <laughs> and somehow got it above my head probably with some horrendous press out um but I, I was back in there at open gym the next week I was like how can I do a little bit more um so I don't know that a post would have I think trying it trying it for myself and actually having a go at it I think yeah that was really the the drive of for me to go, hey, I wonder really what I could do with this. Yeah. It's been a constant theme uh, from people that we've spoken to that, yeah, you put the barbells in people's hands and before you know it, they're loving the sport. But um, uh, the other thing we've really focused on during the podcast is barriers to success and and roadblocks for all athletes, coaches and, and clubs really. Now, obviously, living in Victoria, I have a limited understanding of the inner workings of other states. Um, Mexico. From my understanding, you're current. Yeah, South come on, man. Yeah, you can't be you can't be saying that sort of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's my understanding that you're currently representing South Australia, but living mm. in New South Wales. I'm I'm not too sure the reasons behind it, but has the situation sort of hindered you in any way? And you know, is it something you're you're willing to discuss? So the reason I'm with South Australia is that South Australia's constitution says that members, it was changed at a point where it allowed members outside, like not necessarily living in South Australia, to sign up. Yeah. And so when that opportunity came up, we looked at the New South Wales fees, which were about $175, and we looked at the South Australian fees, which were about 50 bucks, and went, hey, that's a no-brainer. Yeah. Um, the difficulties have been that it's been more difficult to compete at the smaller comps, which for some people like myself 
it's not so much of a big of a deal because I don't really need to go in every local comp. Um, I have the comps that I go to to qualify at things. Um, there's other political reasons in there which I probably won't go into. Um, yeah, just it would be really, really nice to see um, just an atmosphere of really, really wanting to try to get people into the sport, that atmosphere where it's in high schools, where you're showing kids what weightlifting is so they can maybe they won't like it and it's not for them but maybe there's those kids in there like for me i always identified with being strong ironically and weightlifting strength is not my strong point but um (laughs) (laughs) um, it's sort of fit with me um especially because i wanted i really wanted to do some sort of sport so i'd love to see um an atmosphere where we we really, really wanted to bring people into the sport to, to nurture them through it and get the best out of them. With, and is, is that – sorry, Daz, I'm sorry, go. I just want to touch on it. Like as an athlete, like I know with Pip, um, as my weightlifter at, at the moment, I'm very conscious of, of removing obstacles for her performance. Has – without going into details, has the issues with changing states, has that hampered, hindered or helped your performances – It's not so much the issues of training, changing state. It's just sort of not feeling supported on a, on a local level. Um, yeah, I think that's probably the extent of it. It really is, it really is like the feeling supported, feeling nurtured, feeling like people want the best for you. It's really going to, to help people prosper. And what's that been like, um, from the South Australian point of view, obviously, um, you you represent them now. They get a couple of amazing lifters, you know, representing their state. Does do they then in turn offer you more support than New South Wales has, or is it is it purely just I'm signed up with them, I do my thing, and wherever the sort of the cards fall, we're happy to lift. I'm signed up with them. So I can compete. Yeah. I'm more than happy for them with my successes to bolster the sport in South Australia. They can do whatever they like. Yeah. Um, I think last year at National South Australia did, did so much better than they have done in previous years in, in terms of team placings. And that's great for them. Um, use it. Use it to get people into the sport. Um, themselves at the moment, They've got board stuff which they need to sort out before they can start really, really growing the sport. Yeah. But I've said to them, like, seriously, just use it. You've got you've got people here. You've got, and I mean, they've got Tegan and um, Steph on the team. Yeah. Use that to grow to grow the sport. Great. That's so awesome. Get mm. more people into the sport. I mean, the sport's fun. That's why people do it. There's something. There's something pretty cool about lifting something heavier than you thought you could and I'm yeah. actually getting it over in your head and you're going hey I actually did that sweet <laughs> yeah no I just I just it's a very well to me on the outside looking in it's a very interesting situation and yeah you know, I think I think you make some really good points that yeah it's it's in a way it's growing the sport for another state that 
in you know recent times hasn't been up there with the the biggest states but yeah and again to me it's very very interesting sort of situation and it was really good to hear your sort of thoughts on it do you do you do any Ready? like you've mentioned that you're not the strongest weightlifter like you you think that is your weakness is strength and coming out of injuries and all that sort of stuff yeah. um what are you doing to fix it you know what i'm wonky is <laughs> my body's just so wonky i have like a scoliosis. I have a forward slippage of one of my vertebra from gymnastics. I fractured my femur in gymnastics, so one leg's longer than the other, and I have some crazy extension on <laughs> one leg that doesn't hey, Sam, really work on the other yeah. leg. Squat jerk. So, squat jerk. Oh, shut up, Dad. What even? Oh, I would die if I squat jerk. I would just die. I'd, I'd clean a jerk like 80. <laughs> Maybe snatch 90, clean a jerk 80, be like, yes, yeah, sweet. We're awesome. Um, yeah, strength, strength is hard for me. Something like people can come into this, I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I should take this with a grain of salt. But my perception maybe is that some people are strong. They can just go in and the first day they squat, they've got something pretty solid. And you're like, damn, like that's pretty ingrained in you. Me, 20 kilo bar was really, really hard when I started. <laughs> um, and I have to work for my strength. Like I, I don't squat for a week and it goes, and it goes so hard. I'm like, hey, where'd you go? Like, can you please come back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, it's frequency and then and then keeping on top of the little niggles. But uh, I'm bound to have because I'm a bit wonky, <laughs> and I've got to be careful. Always in the back of my mind is like I'm doing this. I'm doing this for fun, obviously to see what I can get out of myself in the long term um but if it's ever going to compromise my long-term health i'm out of here for yeah. life to live thank yeah. yeah 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 absolutely uh, so what is what is next for you at the moment so taking things as they come but is the focus solely on tokyo or are there little events do you want to be at the world championships do you want to be pushing for a top 10 sort of finish there? What weight class do you um, want to be announced? Yeah. What's, uh, <laughs> what's going to make Kiana happy over the next <laughs> next year or so? Yeah, so the big focus for me in sport is I won an Olympic Games. Um, yeah. so, so hanging that qualification process, that'll probably mean worlds. Um, yep. And I would absolutely love to try and do what I did with Junior Worlds, with a Senior Worlds, just slowly, <laughs> slowly climb up. Started, I think I was 36 and 15. So yeah. the next Worlds I go to, I'd like to like up that a little bit. And then hopefully one day standing on the podium again would be pretty, pretty damn awesome. Um, but hey, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of work to get there first. In terms <laughs> of weight classes, I'm not going to pick a number because I, I'm just going to take it as it comes. <laughs> um, see where I, see where I go. Oh, come to bent on a number, but it'd be nice to maybe people will people that are different categories now will move again to compete against each other. And I think over the past year, battling with scene um, and having had that experience at at worlds, battling for medals, that's a different ball game when you compete. 
and having that, hopefully having that experience or a bit more of that at the national level, really going kilo for kilo and seeing how you fare in that sort of situation. Because, I mean, the pressure's on. Like all these guys at Com Games fighting for medals, you're going to be going out there for a lift and going, like, maybe you're capable. You should be capable of it with your training, right? Yeah. Um, but are you capable of it under the pressure? Um, yeah. And that's that's the real gritty stuff of weightlifting that I, I don't think we get too much of in Australia, especially when we go to a world championships and we're in the B session or, or for me, in 2015 in the D session. Mm. Um, and you're just going there to, like, participate. Um, the real, real fun and rewarding stuff comes, I think, comes down to when you get to battle, and it, it's super awesome when you get to come out on top. Uh, yeah. Well, that's it. That's that's what competition's all about. Yeah. And, uh, uh, well, wh- one last question for you. It's again, we 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 ask everyone this sort of stuff. It's uh, it's the theme of our podcast. Where do you want to see Australian weightlifting going? What would you like to see happen over the next few years? Call it a wish list if you want. I've mentioned this a few times. I want to see it in high schools. I want yeah. to see it. I want to see it as a culture that as a kid, you go, hey, that's a legitimate option for me. Like rugby is, like swimming is. Like so many kids do swimming. Why don't you have a go at weightlifting? I mean, Kevin Doherty in the U.S., with hassle free, I had a, I had a chance to have a good chat with him in 2015, and he gets all these high school kids in there, and they do weightlifting as part of their physical education. And I don't know whether that part of that is me having some sort of agenda with thinking that young women, especially, should be given this sort of like should be educated in sort of like a gym literacy kind of thing. Like, you should be able to go into a gym and, and be able to do something for yourself that's going to help you. That might not be the sport of weightlifting, but I would absolutely love to see it out there as an option along with gymnastics, swimming, soccer, netball, all of that stuff. I think that would be really, really cool. That's a great answer. Absolutely great answer. Is there anything you'd like to change right now? Like, instead of like, well, yeah, we want to get into schools, but is there anything about the current system that you'd like to change? Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a it's a big step to get to that little idealism, um, yeah. that little utopia that I just sort of went on about. Mm-hmm. I don't know that you can. I don't know that there's. I don't know about one step to get yeah. there. Oh, hundred percent. Well, you know, we'd love to have you back on at some point, and if you'd like to, in the meantime, think about those steps. Because we'd love to hear from you again. So we can steal them. And- <laughs> I'll, I'll drop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, just email it to us. That'd be great. <laughs> I'll, I'll send that with an invoice too. Because it's going to probably going to take me like a thousand hours or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no dramas. Des will, Des will cover that. Yeah. I've got a, I've got ah, a Dumb yes, and Dumber on you briefcase. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. Thank you so much for coming on, taking the time to chat with us. It was really amazing get your insight into things, especially as you know, one of the top juniors transitioning to a senior. It's it's a really, really valuable thing that we're that we're doing here, and and this is probably one of the best bits of information we've gotten so far. 
about it. So again, thank you so much. And we obviously wish you all the best for the year to come and every year after that. Get strong. Thank you so much. Yes. Number one priority. (laughs) 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 Thanks, guys.